And this was the amazing thing to Moses. Did anybody, any people, at any time, ever hear the voice of a God speaking out of the midst of a fire and still live? It's amazing, Moses said. You have received and heard the voice of the living God as He spoke to you from the fire. On earth, He let you see His great fire and you heard His words out of the midst of the fire. And so he said previously in that same chapter of Deuteronomy, beginning in verse 11, the mountain burned with fire to the heart of heaven, wrapped in darkness, cloud, and gloom. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but you saw no form. There was only a voice. So, he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform. Deuteronomy is an amazing book. Of all the books in the Pentateuch, you're not supposed to pick a favorite, but let me just say to you, Genesis tells us All the things about the beginning, the beginning of the world, the beginning of mankind, the beginning of God's relationship with man, the beginning of sin, uh, the the beginning of the redemptive process, the beginning of God's uh, special relationship with Abraham's family. It tells us the beginning of all of that. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomos, the second law, the giving of the law, the second time. When it's being retold by Moses, Deuteronomy is sort of the summation of all of this. Deuteronomy is uh, structurally speaking, grammatically speaking, it's, uh, it, it is structured like a, like a suzerainty treaty. The suzerain, you, you recall, would be the greater power, the greater king, the greater entity. A- and the The suzerainty treaties would begin with, uh, the ancient treaties would begin with, the suzerain would begin by describing himself, introducing himself, who he is, why he is superior, why he can provide protection, why he can provide blessing and value for the vassal state or the vassal King, suzerainty treaties were very common in this part of the world in ancient times. The book of Deuteronomy is structured very much like that. With God the suzerain, with Israel the vassal state. God introduces himself. 
God sets forth the stipulations. And when God introduces himself, he not only tells who he is, but why he is able to protect them and take care of them and the things he is able to do for them. But the context of the treaty is all about how this relationship is going to work. And then it closes with a reminder that if you want the benefits of this treaty, you have to abide by the things that are written. He declared to you His covenant, which He commanded you to perform. Can you imagine what it was like for Moses when he's 80 years old? By the time you're 80, I suppose, you think you've seen just about everything there is to see. And as he is tending the flocks and the herds, he casts his eyes on a bush that is burning but is not consumed. I don't know what all went through his mind immediately. Maybe he thought he'd been in the sun too long. Maybe he thought he needed to rest, needed a drink of water. I've got to get more sleep. Maybe he started looking for the nearest Starbucks. I, I don't know what he was thinking in that moment. But when he approached that burning bush... He heard the voice of God speaking from the fire. And the first thing he said to him was, get those shoes off. I am the Lord thy God. And the ground upon which thou standest is holy ground. Ladies and gentlemen, let let me tell you, I'm not sure that this morning it matters to God about what color your shoes are, or even if they match. But I'll tell you what God does want from you this morning. He he wants from you and from me as we come into this assembly to unite our hearts in worship to Him. He wants us to understand who He is. Because until we understand who He is, we have no idea who we are. And He wants us to listen to His voice. The Word of God matters. It is the word of God that came forth from the midst of the fire. And so, the second commandment was, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. God said, I am the Lord thy God who brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And the second thing that came out of his mouth was this. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. And let me tell you, that was not just an incidental thing with God. 
He is bringing his people out of a pagan land, a land that was filled with superstition and idolatry of every description. He is bringing them into the heart of Canaan, a land that is also filled with superstition and idolatry and carved images and molten images. And God said, I want you to understand who I am. Idols are seen, but they're not heard. They can't say a word. And so the prophet Isaiah is going to taunt the very idea of idolatry. In Isaiah chapters 41, 42, 44, 45, Isaiah is going to poke fun at these idols and say, hey, if your idol is so great, let him tell you this. When did your idol declare you this? When did that image say anything? Oh, you may have carved out some magnificent piece of art, but it is nothing more than the shallow, empty shell of a form. Idols are seen, they are not heard. Let me tell you something about the God of heaven who made us. He is heard, but not seen. And to this day, we speak because we have heard. If God has really spoken, and He has, then there are some things that we can know. Do you imagine when Moses had all of the nation of Israel gathered at the foot of Sinai, and he is ascending on the mount, and the earth begins to tremble, and smoke begins to billow from the mount, and the fire is shooting forth, and lightning is in the sky, and thunder is rolling. And then the voice of God, and the people are saying to Moses, don't let him speak to us, don't let him speak to us, we will all die. They were scared to death. It was the voice that was speaking from the fire. The law was given in the context of fire. God exists. If God has spoken, He exists. It means that not only has He created us, He has revealed Himself to us. And so the psalmist would say, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And then John said, In verse 18, as he's completing the statement of the prologue, no man hath seen God at any time. Did you get that? No man hath seen God at any time. Parenthesis. 
but boy have we heard him. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. And so the writer of Hebrews would say, God who at sundry times in divers manners spoken unto the fathers through the prophets, in these last days, God has spoken through his Son. If God has spoken, we can know him, that he exists, and that he has revealed himself to us. Secondly, if God has spoken to us, even from the fire, then we preach and teach these words precisely because they are the words of God, precisely because God spoke these words. And and so Moses in the law, if you're in your Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 4, just turn the page over. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. Now listen to this. And these words which I command thee this day shall be upon thy heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto your children. Why? Because they are the words of the living God. Let me tell you, if if they were the words of of Moses, if they were the words of Aaron, if if they were the words of Miriam, if they were the words of Amram or Jochebed, the parents of Moses, okay, nice words. These are not the words of Moses. They're not the words of Amram and Jochebed. These are the words of the living God. Spoken from the fire. Teach them diligently to your children. Why? Because they are the words of God. And so, in Nehemiah chapter 8 in the post-captivity period, Nehemiah gathers all of the Jews together. And they are gathered together as one person in the broad place before the water gate. And they spoke unto Ezra the scribe, Bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord commanded to Israel. And Ezra brought the law. He brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the broad place that was before the water gate, from early morning until midday, in the presence of the men and the women and of those that could understand, and you ought to have the rest of this underlined in red in your text, and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. He read from early morning until midday 
and the ears of all the people were attentive to the law. He opened the book in the sight of all the people, and when he opened it, all the people stood up. Why? Why? Because Ezra is such a great guy, and they just have so much respect for him. He's an old man now, and they're just so encouraged to see him making it. No, not about Ezra. Why did they stand up? Because he opened the word of the Lord. And they came to their feet. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen. Amen. They lifted up their hands, and they bowed their heads, and they worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And the text says, And Jeshua and Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatai, Hodiah, Maasiah, Kelita, Azariah, Jezebel, Hanan, Peliah, and the Levites caused the people to understand the law. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of preaching going on there. They caused the people to understand the law. And the people stood in their place and they read in the book and the law of God distinctly and they gave the sense so that they understood the reading. Why? Why do we read the word? Why do we preach the word? The Apostle Paul would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he said, this gospel which came from God has been placed in earthen vessels. We get that. The vessel is nothing. We are jars of clay. This outward man is going to perish. But it's been our blessing, Paul said, our privilege and our responsibility to bear in this earthen vessel, humble as it is, the words of the living God. We believe, therefore we speak, he says. It's the same principle. The same principle. Why do we speak? Because these are the words of the living God, and it's for our good. Over and over again, Moses is going to remind them, if you will hear the words of the Lord, if you will remember the words of the Lord, if you will heed the words of the Lord, you will be blessed. God will open the heavens. He will pour down upon you an abundance of blessings. He will protect you. He will give you life. He will increase your prosperity. God will take care of you. This is for our good. There's a reason God has told you, you must live this way. 
There is a reason God has told you, you must not live this way. It's for our good. And the Apostle Paul would take that same principle, ascribing it to children in the home. It's the same spiritual principle. And he will say, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. It's the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you. That your years may be long upon the earth. We read that and we think, well, you know, you, you ought to read that to your kids and remind them if they want to live, they better obey. That, that's really not the point, though, indirectly. But it's taken from the Old Testament, from the book of the law, where Moses was telling the people, you want to stay in this land? You want to prosper in this land? You want your grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren to prosper in this land? Give attention to the law. Teach this diligently unto your children. Obey the word of the Lord. Give heed to the word that was spoken out of the fire. It's for our good. If God has spoken, ladies and gentlemen, then we have to trust Him. The very thing that God wanted Joshua to understand. As Moses has died and there is now a tremendous transition taking place in the leadership of the nation of Israel, at a critical moment when they are about to cross the Jordan River and come into the promised land, the fulfillment of the promise made to Abraham some 430 years earlier. God said to him, what do you suppose would be the advice? This book of the law, my word, the word spoken from the fire. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Thou shalt meditate thereon day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. Then you will make your way prosperous, and you shall have good success. Have I not commanded thee? Be strong and be of good courage. Do not be afraid. What is God saying? Trust me. These are the words of my law. Trust me on this. The greatest challenge for God's people. Over and over again, throughout all time, has been that very thing. Yeah, I, I know the Bible says that, but really, I, I'm, just, I'm just so afraid. I, I, just, I, I just don't know. I, I just... God is saying, trust me. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean upon your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Ladies and gentlemen, we are living in a culture that is drunk on ego. 
everyone is a superstar on his own Facebook page. We are drunk with our own wisdom. We have all created enormous fan clubs, and we are the presidents of our own club. And sometimes the entirety of the membership. God is saying to his people, this is my word, trust me. Trust me on this. And I'll tell you how you know if you trust me, God said. You'll do it. It's the little kid who's climbed up in the tree and is afraid to come down. And his dad is standing two feet from him. <laughs> Could almost touch him. And he's saying, jump. No. Why? I'm scared. I will catch you. Don't you trust daddy? Yes, I trust daddy. Well, jump. No. <laughs> really. I'll tell you what God is saying to us. He's saying to us, don't just sit up in the tree telling everybody that you trust me. I want to see you jump. It's not about saying, Lord, Lord. It's about doing the will of the Father. It's not about hearing these words of mine and going away and saying, Amen, that guy could preach. Jesus said, that's the fool that builds his house on the sand. It's about hearing these words of mine and doing them. That's the man who's building his house on the rock. Which is it? And so James said, don't, don't kid yourself about this. It's not about just hearing the words. It's about doing them. And if any man is deceiving himself and saying, oh, I'm religious, and he can't even bridle his tongue and live a decent life, he's kidding himself. If God has spoken, ladies and gentlemen, and he has, then he has called upon us to trust in those words and to demonstrate that trust in obedience. I, I would tell you this morning, we're here because God has spoken. That's, that's the very reason we've come this morning. It's the very reason we're gathered. God has spoken, and not only from the fire did God speak, but we're here this morning especially because He has spoken to us through His Son, who is the express image of God, 
the very effulgence of His glory. If you have seen me, Jesus said, you have seen the Father. And so, with this word of God, we go forth into the world with the gospel. That's, that's who we are. That's, that's what we're all about. In Romans, the 10th chapter, the Apostle Paul said, but, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach because if you will confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, you will believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Because with the heart, man believes under righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whosoever believeth on him shall not be put to shame. There is no distinction. Not between Jew or Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all. And He's rich unto them that call upon Him. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call upon Him in whom they have not believed? And how can they believe if they have not heard? And how shall they hear? How shall they hear without the preaching of it? Without the verbalization of it? Without the declaring of it? without taking it to the world. Ladies and gentlemen, God has spoken. That's why we're here. We are declaring our faith in Him. We believe Him. We trust Him. We are acknowledging our commitment to live in obedience to Him. If you're here this morning, and with your mouth you have never made confession that Jesus is Lord, we beg you today, not only with your mouth, but with your life, to show that you trust and obey the Lord God who redeemed us from our sins. Won't you come while we stand and sing?